The Howler is brought to you by White Street Brewing Company. Handcrafted beer made in the heart of downtown Wake Forest. Visit us just up US 1 at 218 South White Street or at whitestreetbrewing.com. Welcome to The Howler. Your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Chris Lehman and Drew Blevins. Hi there, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of The Howler. I'm Drew Blevins. We are recording live from inside the West Dunn Building. We are so glad that you can join us here as we're about to give you the state of Wolfpack Athletics. I'm Drew Blevins alongside Chris Lehman. And as always, we're joined by a guest in our first segment, and today that is Ben Simmons of the club basketball team. Ben, with your appearance here, you've just set the record for most appearances by any individual student athlete on our podcast with two. Still young podcast, but thanks for taking the time to be with us. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. So let's go ahead and start off talking a little bit about your team, and then we're going to get your expert opinion on what's going on at the varsity level. Mm -hmm. But this is a club basketball program that's been hovering right around 500. We saw the team that you were typically not playing on lose a couple to Virginia Tech Mm -hmm. a couple of weekends ago while you were playing in a tournament nearby. Can you tell us how both teams have been doing so far? Yeah, lately both teams have been doing well. I'll start off with my team, the red team. We won our tournament at Wake Forest over Martin Luther King weekend. We went 5-0 and at that tournament. We beat Wake Forest, UNC Greensboro. Uh, it's been a while. North Carolina again, South Carolina, and then beat Winston-Salem State in the championship game by about 20. And then we went to North Carolina Central. We lost to Fayetteville State in the championship and then lost to them in pool play. But we beat Duke on a buzzer beater. And who's the other team? I can't remember the other team right now. It's been about six weeks. And then then we went to um, we went to Duke a month ago from today, and that was pretty bad, actually. We got some pretty biased refs in the championship games. We called a lot of technical fouls early. So uh, we lost that one by about 20. I've never lost to Duke in four years, and we've played them about 10 or 15 times, so that was pretty rough. But we also beat both the Clemson's teams, who are very good. UNC Wilmington, uh, North Carolina again. And Elon. So we won five games there. Five and one's not bad. So It it sounds like you're playing a lot of in-state opponents, mm-hmm. and we all know at the varsity level that's always a big deal, but for you at the club level, is that still a big rivalry, wanting to prove your dominance in the state? Oh, yeah. You definitely want to be the number one club team. Uh, in the state of North Carolina, there's a lot of good club basketball teams, so just trying to be on top and especially beating North Carolina, going five and one against them this year has been incredible. And you mentioned there are a lot of good teams in this state, and we know that this area is a real rich basketball area. Is it the same way at the club level? Where is a lot of the talent in terms of club basketball at a national level? Uh, at a national level, I would say mostly the East Coast and the West Coast has some good teams for club. Uh, I would say North Carolina is definitely a top three state, if not number one with state. Wilmington's usually very good. Now you have uh, Pembroke. Yeah, Fayetteville State too. Duke has gotten a lot better. I've never seen a club team get improved that much over one season. It's been incredible. And North Carolina is good as well. So you're playing great talent all the time in club. So when you're looking at playing these in-state opponents and when you're looking at the schedule, the grind compared to the varsity team, are you playing necessarily a longer schedule going a little bit further than normal basketball season or is this just confined to somewhere between november and march oh yeah i mean the season starts first week of september then it goes usually to the end of april with nationals but we're not going to nationals this year because i don't know why but nurse have put it two days before exam starts so um (laughs) i know i wish it was different but yeah it's a lot longer the season wise games it's a little bit shorter than the regular team so about the same thing if we went to nationals it'd be the same we're joined by ben simmons of the club basketball team ben can you assess the competitive and the compete level that your team has had throughout this season? 
for my team, it's been great. We're 20 and five on the year. We've won two tournaments, uh, finished runner up in two tournaments. So every tournament, each team knows that when we're there, we're definitely going to compete and we expect to go to the championship game. So it's just been incredible this year, especially senior year. Well, one of the big tournaments was Nationals and Nursa, and mm-hmm. for most of your career here at NC State, it's actually been hosted here. How has that experience been, and what was it like to host the Nationals? Oh, it was incredible. I mean, you just have to walk like three, five minutes down the gym instead of <laughs> driving eight hours to Ohio State. I'm definitely going to miss it. My freshman year, we didn't do so well. I think we went the round of 32. Sophomore year, we went to the Sweet 16 and lost to Southern Cal, and then Last year, we lost in the round of 32 to James Madison, but in 2010, we won the national championship, and I thought if we went this year, we could have won it all, especially with our big 6'10 guy. Can yeah. you compare what a national championship at the club level means to, say, at the NCAA level? Because a national championship is a national championship, after all. Oh, yeah. Anytime you win a national championship, it's great. Uh, I mean, the talent still in club is very good. A lot of these players, like I said before on here, are D2, D3 players, and if we were to win a national championship here at the club level at state, it would just be incredible. But still, the talent division one is a lot better. Yeah, it, you said this is one of the best teams you've played on at NC State. Mm-hmm. Uh, who individually has helped to make this team so good this year? Uh, as for my, I can. There's two teams, but I'm speaking <laughs> on my team here mostly. We can get the other team too. But for my team, uh, Tucker Thompson, he's six ten, two forty. He played at Western Carolina last year. Started some games, I'm pretty sure as well. Uh, he can shoot threes, play down low. He's unguardable on the club level. I mean, the next tallest player is like five inches shorter than him. So when you have a guy with that height and that skill, you're going to win the majority of your games. And also senior number three, Nick Lennox, he's about a 6'5 wing. He has one of the best mid-range games I've ever seen. I bet if he went up against a guy on the varsity level, he would have just as good or better mid-range game than him. He's deadly from 15 feet and in. And also this year, Tanner McCaskey, number 14, he's also 6'7". And then Patrick Donville at guard, knocking down a lot of threes from the outside. So it's just mostly all around a team effort. We love working the ball around, getting it down inside to Tucker, and then kicking out for three. So we just play very well together as a team. And recently we've had the honor to cover the white team as well, and they have Mm -hmm. a lot of talent as well, the McNamara Twins, Mm -hmm. as well as Anthony Ellis playing as well. Can you talk about some of the guys on that squad? Yeah, the Twins are playing well lately. They're usually hurt sometimes and banged up, but they've been knocking down threes. Spencer Clark's been playing great inside and outside shots. Anthony Ellis has been pushing the pace on transition. I haven't been around to some of their games since my team's been traveling, but I went and watched them play against ECU. They went 0-3 that series, but still saw some good things from them. But they're improving. Next year I'm looking upon them being a lot better. They return, I think, the majority of their team. I think they return everyone next year if players come back and play. So they're definitely next year for the future they'll be a lot better. Now, with two teams, the red and the white, what kind of interaction do the teams have with each other? Are your practices uh, together, or how does, how does that work? Yeah, so practices are all together from 9 to 11 every Wednesday night, and it's mostly just playing pickup basketball. I don't really put in a lot of play, so we're, I don't like to split the red and white team up. I like to combine teams, so we still get to play with each other. But it goes well. We're all friends and get along well, so it works out good. Now, with only a few weeks here left in this semester, what is left on the basketball team's front? So not that much since we're not going to nationals and the other team in the NCBBA didn't qualify for nationals. So as for my team, we're going to Elon in three weeks, and that's our last tournament, April 16th and 17th. And the white team hosts Old Dominion here this weekend, Saturday and Sunday. They should beat them. Uh, Old Dominion is 0-15 in the conference right now. So I'm hoping for three wins for them, hopefully, to end the year on a high note. 
We're joined by Ben Simmons of the NC State Club basketball team. And, Ben, now we're going to switch gears a little bit because your being here is a little bit too pronged. You're getting to mm-hmm. talk a little bit more about club basketball, who has had a very successful season, but also to get a little bit more input about what's going on at the varsity level. Cat Barber has declared for the 2016 NBA draft. Abdul Malik Abu has declared without signing an agent. Mm-hmm. And both Caleb and Cody Martin are looking to transfer, most likely, according to my sources, to Georgetown. Those are four big names one who is expected to go, but still, nonetheless, four big names who all played major roles on this varsity-level team. What do you make of those holes in the roster that they're leaving? Uh, well, Cat Barber was pretty much expected for the most part, and when you bring in the number three player in the country like Dennis Smith, you can fill that void. Not all the way, I'd say about 90 95%, considering Dennis is still hurt, but I think they're fine at point guard, just need to recruit a backup point guard out of high school, or they need to go the transfer route, grad transfer, or, or a transfer who sits out a year. Uh, with Abu... <laughs> 99% of me thinks he comes back. I mean, Coach Gottfried, I think last week, Friday, in the News and Observer, Joe Giglio did that one. He said that Abu would only go pro if he was a first-round pick. Abu's not even rated top 100 in the draft among players right now. That's nothing against him. He's still a very good player, but I think he definitely comes back from what I've read. So, And then the Martin Twins. Um, it's a little bit surprising, considering how – Good Coach Gottfried, I thought, treated them. I mean, they committed their junior year in high school at Davie County. Then we know they went to Oak Hill their senior year, and I heard Georgetown as well. I, I thought it was going to be maybe a South Carolina or maybe even a Davidson since it's home to close by. But I think they got maybe scared of Torn Dorn coming in and then Terry Henderson returning and then Maverick Rowan and then State didn't land Raleigh Alkins out of Raleigh. He went to Arizona, and they're still pursuing Terrence Ferguson right now, although I think he's going to go to Arizona, another five-star shooting guard wing. That was committed to Alabama, but the playing time there, I think the Martin twins saw it coming. And I think Caleb was – well, Cody started the end of the year. Caleb started first, but I think playing time was the reason why. And if one wanted to go, the other one wanted to go. All right, now we take a look at this past season. It's one of the least successful for Mark Gottfried in his tenure. and There were some issues with injuries. What was your assessment on how the season panned out for the Pack? Uh, I mean, it's not what I wanted expected. I thought they would be a little bit higher in the ACC. And then, like you said, injuries. My thing with Coach Gottfried is he needs to recruit more players, although it's hard nowadays because you get these seventh and eighth kids on the bench and they think they're going to go to the NBA. So it's kind of hard, I feel like, now with all these kids transferring out. So he just needs to, I think, have eight or nine, like I was watching Villanova the last night. Their whole rotation of eight man is just great. It's definitely recruiting more players and the transfer route because with proven with Coach Gottfried, he's landed great transfers, although Terry Henderson is to be seen, but I think he'll do well. And then Ralston Turner was another good transfer, and, of course, Trevor Lacey. So we know he can get the transfers. And you bring up the man that I want to talk about. Mark Godfrey, in all of his years here, has had at least one player transfer out, and that goes back to Thomas Tate and Deshaun mm-hmm. Painter, Tyler Lewis, Kyle Washington. Is Purvis this too, goes on Rodney on. Purvis? Exactly. It does. It just seems to roll and roll on. My question to you is, is this worrisome? Is this a problem that Mark Godfrey seems to have an issue retaining players? It definitely is. In the past five years, 14 players have left early, uh, not graduating. I'm pretty sure the only two people that have graduated are walk-on Stotts, Battle, and Chase Cannon. It is a problem. It is a red flag for me at some times, but then he's bringing in good transfers and high school recruits, but it's definitely a red flag that 
Mm, I still give him a couple more. I mean, he's been the Sweet 16 twice in five years, and when he took over, he had a great roster. But as long as he's bringing in good transfers, and this year especially grad transfers, they're looking at a couple right now, but he just needs to keep rebuilding the roster through transfers. So it sounds like there's absolutely no reason to hit the panic button, even though he doesn't make the tournament this year. There's no reason for any state fans to be panicking. Uh, no, I panicked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when I saw That's fair. When I saw Caleb McCody leave, I was pretty mad for about a couple hours. Uh, just a little need to panic, but he's he can get it done, I feel like. And now they're trying to get the new assistant coach, which I th- feel will be Joe Dooley from Florida Gulf Coast. So definitely him. They just need to hit the recruiting trail right now. Until that, I won't panic. Yeah, and you brought up a couple of names. Uh, Dennis Smith, a great recruit coming in. You have Maverick Rowan coming into his own next season. What is the outlook for next year for the pack? Because it looks pretty good right now. Well, Barry, no one else transfers. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. you never know. Right now, I think it could Don't be Don't say good. that, Ben. Don't <laughs> say it. I'm not trying to jinx anything. But I think it could be good. Definitely, mm, I want to say top six. But then again, we're state, so expectations are always thrown out the door. So you never know. And then injury. So anything can really happen. But on paper, I think top six right now. And then they're going to get two grad transfers. They can play immediately. So I think it could be really good next year if they have about eight, nine, ten players who are on scholarship that play and stay healthy. When you're looking at NC State basketball and you're looking at where they stack up, especially in this state, is it a problem that perennially NC State is playing second fiddle to North Carolina and Duke consistently year after year? And what is it going to take to get back on even par with two of the greatest programs, not only in the state, but in the nation. It's definitely hard, and that was incredible how he got Dennis Smith and almost got uh, Ed Rice out of bio, which was heartbreaking. Uh, but I think, yeah, that was rough. I, I saw his mom actually at a high school game. I went up and gave her a hug. I told him he broke my heart. So, uh, But, yeah, I just think when Roy Williams and Coach K retire, it will help a lot. That's when State needs to hit the recruiting trail hard and start winning when those two go out because that's the only time I feel like State will definitely come back in. But growing up a Duke fan, I, I, I still pull for Duke. <laughs> <laughs> so even though I don't like Grayson Allen tripping kids and what Coach K did the other day was wrong, but they just need to get in at the right time and start getting these kids and winning like Coach Gottfried has and just needs to continue and build upon that. Continually looking, though, when you look at the recruiting trail and when you look especially at recruiting in this state, when you do have to compete with North Carolina and Duke, what does it take to land these big-name recruits Especially when you consider you've got two quite literal blue blood schools that aren't 30 miles from you. Oh, it's definitely hard. How I would do it and how I, one team I like, although they choked badly last night, is Tony Bennett from Virginia. If you look at Tony Bennett, he's not bringing in these like big time five stars. He's bringing in these four year guys that are good four stars. And that's how I feel like NC State needs to do it because there's a lot of good high school basketball talent in North Carolina. So if he goes out, he can even go down to Georgia, Florida, or up in Virginia, like the DMV area. He just needs to get these four stars and bring them in like Tony Bennett, and he needs to develop them. Then again, players transfer so here, so it's kind of hard to do, but it's definitely hard to recruit against other in-state. But Godfrey shows he can go up against Duke and Carolina. Realistically, if Mark Godfrey has to run another seven-man roster, mm-hmm. if he's going to be going up against a Duke team that could be a seven-man roster, Carolina's going to have a little bit of depth. They're a Wake Forest team that's going to have a little bit of depth. Can he put seven guys out there on the floor that can win against any team in this conference? Maybe. Uh, the Duke tournament... The ACC Duke tournament game, he played small ball. I think if they play small ball and Abu comes back with five men, they can do it, but he still needs the depth. That's my main thing. Like, if Cat Barber, what about How, how deep does he year? need to be going? Does it need to be eight? Does it need to be nine? Does it need to be 11? Mm. Well, see, you get all these players with 11, they all transfer. So you, 
I understand where Coach Godfrey's coming from that, but I would say at least eight players. He, he needs nine. And we need a big man who is seven feet that can protect the rim and block shots. Even if he's like a Jordan Vandenberg, they need to get someone in there like that. All right, now uh, you take a look uh, at the personnel that they have right now in terms of big men. That's sometimes been an issue. What do they do if Abu ends up leaving? I know that seems right now to be a long shot. How do they adjust if he's not in the lineup next year? You better fl- get on a plane immediately and fly over to Turkey and land that yurt of guy, the seven-footer. <laughs> you better do everything you can to get him. Um, they need some big man. If he goes pro, I don't even want to think about what would happen with Anya and uh, Freeman still recovering. He, I've heard he could get redshirted next year, but you got to go out and get grad transfers. Like I've said, you got to do something or go over to Turkey and get that seven footer. Worst case scenario, Abu leaves. You do not land the big man from Europe. You're stuck with BJ Anya down mm-hmm. low. What does that do to the team's prospectus? Well, you better hope BJ has a big year. I mean, because him and then Freeman still shook up. You got, you just got to pray and hopefully for the best. But that would be definitely a rough situation, only having a two-big-man rotation. Let's do a look at the bright spot, though. Mm-hmm. We focused a lot on the negative and the big mm-hmm. men. Let's go back outside and let's talk about the guard play and the forward play because that certainly seems to be a bright spot with Dennis Smith and mm-hmm. Torrin Dorn and Terry Henderson mm-hmm. and Maverick Rowan. It mm-hmm. just goes on and on and on. How confident are you that those guys are going to be able to lead this team? I mean, if you look at other teams in the NCAA tournament the past years with Connecticut, with Napier, and all these other guards, and they had Kimball Walker, guards lead lead teams just like Tyus Jones last year helped Duke out. So if the guard play is there, I think State has a chance like Cat Barber this year, although it was a down year, Cat helped us and led the team. And then you look at Virginia, too, with Malcolm Brogdon, London Parentes. So if the guards can play well, knock down shots, penetrate, and all the big men have to do when they penetrate is just please dunk the ball. So that's... If State can just do that, I think they'll be fine because the guards can help lead us. Is it cause for worry if NC State is stuck somewhere 7th or 8th in the ACC, a bubble team going into tournament time, and makes it as a low seed somewhere between 7 and 10, 7 and 11 in the tournament? Is that worrisome even though there is going to be depth of the guard positions? I would say no because if you look at Coach Godfrey in the ACC tournament in the past years, this year we didn't do well, but he's made a run. I think the first three years he went to the semifinals. And then if State gets in, they had, I think, my sophomore year, that was it. They won their first game against Xavier. And then the St. Louis game was just terrible. But they've shown that they is a low – I mean, even last year against Villanova, who right now is in the Final Four, State was – was it eight or nine seed? I think it was, was – That was, it was, a, it was eight. eight. It was yep, eight, eight seed. And State beat them. So if State gets in as low seed, they can prove that they can definitely hang with these teams. And I think that's just the ACC. That seems to be the biggest problem on this NC State team, though, going back to that St. Louis game is mm-hmm. free throws shooting. How critical is it, and how do you as a basketball player fix the issue from the charity stripe? Uh, so my thing with free throws is you just can't shoot them in practice and feel good about yourself. You have to put in the extra time after practice and come in on your own time and shoot them by yourself. That's how you get good from the free throw line. I think before you have to run some sprints, get a little tired, and then you go to the line, shoot about 10, then do that again, so that way it's more of a game situation type. But you just have to get in there on your own time. And that was the other thing with Edras Adebayo. I watched him play three times, and he would have fit in great here because he cannot make a free throw. <laughs> <laughs> so he was definitely a great recruit for big man. Well, Ben, before we let you go here, this has been an excellent interview, and we certainly appreciate you being here. But last question for you. Mm-hmm. Who's winning it all? Oh, I really, North Carolina. Think so? Yeah. 
unfortunately, I hate to say it. I mean, it does look like you're right. North Carolina will play Syracuse on Friday on the other side of the bracket, Villanova and Oklahoma. I, I will say that if this tournament has taught us anything, it's expect the unexpected. I think I, they're going to run through it. I don't think I totally agree. going to touch them. Totally and agree. That's hard to see. I grew up playing with Kenny Meek, so I kind of want to see Kennedy do well. But then again, one of my good friends with Anthony Gill from Virginia, and that was hard to see them lose. But, um, yeah, Carolina. <laughs> All right, you just heard from Ben Simmons of the NC State Club basketball team. Ben, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, appreciate it. On the other side of the break, it'll be Chris Lehman and myself talking a little bit about the Diamond Sports and what's going on with baseball and softball and perhaps a little bit more about what's going on with this basketball team and a whole smorgasbord of topics. Do not turn away from this podcast. You're listening to The Howler. Welcome back to The Howler. You just heard from Ben Simmons, the NC State Club basketball team. Now it's time for Chris Lehman and I to hash out everything. You're about to be given the state of Wolfpack Athletics. And Chris, before we get into anything major and something in season, I do want to wrap up this discussion about the basketball team. And I want to center this around Mark Godfrey to begin, and then we'll transfer into the depth players. But I want to ask you the same question. Mark Godfrey, since he's been here, has transferred at least one player every year he's been here. Is his lack of being able to retain players an issue that fans need to be concerned about? Well, I think if you look at the way his tenure here has turned out, I, I think he's fine. He, he made the Sweet 16 last year. He's made the tournament every year. He's been very successful aside from this year in the postseason. I don't think you can say it's a problem because he's still being he's still successful if he has another couple of seasons like this year and frankly I think that was more because of the injury to Terry Henderson where NC State didn't really have a complete offense for the entire season really so I think we'll have to wait and see how these next couple of seasons pan out but right now I don't think it's a problem because he's shown that he's been able to while he's losing guys bring in more guys that are successful here in Raleigh I think you've got a legitimate point and I'm not so sure which side of the argument I fall on as of yet. I think that you've got a legitimate sample size with five years of Mark Godfrey being the coach here at NC State to be able to start making some judgment calls. But more just for the sake of playing devil's advocate here, I think, I'm going to say that it is an issue because it does make you wonder if Mark Godfrey and his coaching staff are able to spend extended amounts of times with these players and continually commit to developing them, you wonder, are there better and different results? Not necessarily in the tournament, because nobody is going to sneeze at making the Sweet 16 twice. Nobody's going to sneeze at making the tournament four straight years. And, of course, that streak broken this year. But when you look at the way this team is stacking up in the conference, against ACC competition, it hasn't always been the most favorable. Mark Godfrey has never finished higher than fifth, and fifth was back in his first year, which was an excellent turnaround from what Sidney Lowe had done with the basketball team. But they're finishing in the very mediocre portions of the ACC. And to me, when I look at the fan base, and while a national championship is an excellent end goal, I think that there are a lot of people who would be satisfied with consistently 50% or more times beating Duke, beating Carolina, not struggling at Wake Forest, who since the early 2000s has clearly been a subpar basketball team, not coughing up games to Boston College, beating the opponents you're supposed to beat, and you wonder if Mark Gottfried is able to retain players and continually develop them into whatever strategy he's going to choose to run, does that result change? Well, it's, to me, that's a little bit different of an argument. That's more uh, of changing the coaching style than uh, uh, 
an issue of people leaving or not, but uh, I do see that, and that is that's another good point. And I think you look at some of the teams, and I think beating Duke and North Carolina fifty percent of the time—that's a tough task in no, and of it's itself. Certainly you a look tough at task. teams like Virginia, who was in the Elite Eight and could have very easily made it to the Final Four this year, and they struggle with doing things like that. So the this is not something easy. This is not an easy place to coach, and I think we saw that even with Jim Valvano when he was here. He's arguably one of the most successful coaches in NC State history along with Norm Sloan. So it's it's a different issue, I think, but I, I can definitely see that, and that's something that I've thought about before is you know if you get guys together and put together a strong team, one of the teams you see this year, Villanova, is that kind of team. Is that what NC State should do or not. And I know NC State's kind of in a tough position trying to recruit. We talked a little bit about that with Ben in the earlier part of the show. So trying to recruit like Kentucky or Duke does with some one-and-dones that can do it, those teams are always very successful, but that's the recruiting issue. Can NC State get the guys that are good enough when they come in one-and-done to take them to the national championship? And so that's where you have to weigh it. Can you get the guys that can do it as one and dones, or should you go the other route? And that's kind of the question there. Well, I'm going to pose to you what is going to be considered, I think, a little bit of an unfair question, but I want you to try to answer it anyway. You look at NC State. Thank you. And I, I'm, I'm incredibly sorry. I'm the host, and I choose the direction of the show. Uh, you look at the history of NC State basketball, and you look at the coaches that they have had. Norm Sloan, Everett Case, Jim Valvano. And you look at some of the very mediocre or below-average coaches that they've had in recent memory. Herb Sendek, Sidney Lowe. It's not like Mark Godfrey's leaving, so I'm not asking you to assess his legacy. I'm asking right now, where do you place him on that scale? Is he the Valvano Sloan style of coach? with potential to be or is he all the way down somewhere Sydney low and worse oh I don't know that you're gonna like the way I'm gonna answer this question but this is how I'm going to answer it I don't think it's fair and I, I, I've thought this especially when you talk about the LeBron James to Michael Jordan argument it is not you can't really compare these coaches uh, Jim Valvano I, I was just talking about him with my dad last night he is a special kind of person you look what he did at the ESPYs where he was barely able to get up on stage let alone talk and then he gets up there and talks longer than anyone and has the same charisma and energy that's just a special person and it's hard to compare any to a Jim Valvano and that was a different time as well when you look at, at Norm Sloan in the same thing and I, I take a look at the 30 for 30 survive in advance I think it was Roy Williams who talked about these guys stayed for four years so you saw them freshman year sophomore year you saw them every single year it's a different kind of game now you're bringing in guys who are only going to stay for a short period of time in terms of NC State you have guys transferring in and out constantly so it's hard to compare and I would say he's, if you're going to place him somewhere, he's certainly above average. I would have to say, especially in comparison to the last couple of coaches we've seen, he's definitely been more successful. Uh, but trying to compare him, the farther you go back, the tougher it is. But I'm not sure. He certainly isn't at this point at the level of Jim Valvano and Norm Sloan. But there is the potential, although it would be very tough. My point in asking that question is this, though. Jim Valvano, Norm Sloan. Kay Yao, Sam Esposito, Earl Edwards. NC State fans are used to having coaches of high upstanding moral character, hard-nosed, that breed success. 
Mark Godfried fits maybe one of those. Does he fit inside of this university or fans becoming frustrated because maybe he's not the guy and maybe there's a better option out there? I honestly think right now he is the right guy for this program. You look at what he was able to do pretty much instantly uh, after Sidney Lowe was gone, and I think when you take a look at it, every coach has had a hand in, in making this a better program, and I think that's where he is right now. I don't think he's going to be the coach that gets them to the national championship and wins it. Could he? He could. He could have a team that makes a great run and ends up in a national championship and takes advantage of that opportunity, but I think if you're looking for consistent success – it's going to come farther down the line, and I think that's something that NC State as a program just has to build towards. Well, and I agree, and patience is not going to come easily with this fan base who has not seen an ACC title in basketball since 1987, has not seen a football ACC title since 1989. You're asking a fan base who has waited almost 30 years, and you're saying, hang on, keep waiting, keep waiting. And that's a really hard thing to do. Godfrey, I agree. It's not that I'm saying, all right, he didn't make the tournament this year. Let's up, move, change direction. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm trying to point out is that Mark Godfrey has not been able to adapt to certain opponents. He hasn't proven, at least in my estimation, that he is the brilliant basketball mind behind the operation. I think that it's a fairly safe conclusion to admit that Bobby Lutz is the strategic guy behind all of this. Mark Godfrey is a great recruiter. He's bringing in great players. But I'm not seeing a fostered and concerted effort toward maintaining discipline. I'm not seeing necessarily always a play-to-win attitude so much as it is a play-to-compete attitude. And when you're playing in the ACC and when you're playing in the state that has two of the best basketball programs in the nation that just so happen to be your two arch rivals, that's a problem. Yeah, well, I didn't... uh... It's it's just a very tough environment to be in, and I just finished reading John Feinstein's new book, The Legends Club, about Jim Valvano and about Mike Krzyzewski and Dean Smith and how much Dean's presence just kind of overshadowed everyone. And I think there's kind of the similar thing going on now with Coach K, who, who's in that role now, and I think you see that kind of thing, and it just it makes it very difficult. And he, you look at him, he's just... I I would have to say, in my opinion, the best coach in college basketball history. He's the most wins. He's just an all-around great coach. I think he's not just a basketball coach, but a life coach for a lot of his players. And I think that kind of personality, that kind of presence in this area completely changes things. And that's one of the things I think that makes it really hard. And part of that goes back to recruiting. And part of that's just something you have to deal with uh, when you play that team. But... Uh, I, I think it's hard to to get upset about Godfrey not being able to beat two very, very good coaches with two programs that are good all the time. So to me, that's a little bit of an unfair thing to say, but it's certainly something that as a program that you want to have up at that level is an expectation but, that you want to have. But then again, was it fair to ask a guy coming from Iona to come down to NC State and beat Dean Smith? Well, like he the, put the greatest he, coach. That was that no, was no. It wasn't fa- the point. Is it wasn't fair to ask him that, but he did it anyway. Well, when was he asked that? That's my question. Because when you st- come to NC State following the coattails of Norm Sloan, you've got to win. And Jim Valvano won. Mark Godfrey hasn't won yet. He's got. He's had a couple of good seasons. He's had a few good rosters. But I'm missing the marquee. I'm missing that pinpoint. 
It's it, well, again. I'm going to go back to. It's hard to make that kind of comparison. And for one thing, I don't think anybody necessarily came out and said from NC State, aside from Jim Valvano, that I'm going to bring a national championship to this school. I think he put more of that on himself. And so to say that he was asked immediately when he came in to do that, and I'll note he didn't do it immediately. Now it took him four years, and it's been longer than that for Mark Godfried. But again. It's a completely different time. Mark, uh, Mark Gottfried hasn't had players and a core group of players for four years like Jim Valvano had with Sidney Lowe and Thurl Bailey and yeah, Lorenzo Charles. Yeah, don't you Charles think he has the Charles ability to keep those players? How many schools? Uh, Coach K is hardly doing that at this point. A lot of his big-time players are leaving after one year. It's just a completely different environment. And so to expect him to be able to come in to a one-and-done era and be as good of a recruiter as Coach K and Roy Williams, who not only have great reputations but have great programs all the time and win national championships regularly, I think it's it's unfair to ask him to be successful immediately. You have to give him some time to build. And I think for the most part, aside from this year, which I think had some problems more with injuries than personnel in general, although I think there is an argument to be made about personnel, I think you have to give him a little bit more time because to me, to make the tournament and to make a run to the Sweet 16 in the time that he's been here is is more than I think was expected of him when he was hired. No, I can't disagree with that. And I cannot disagree with the critique of the culture of collegiate basketball right now either. I think those are two very fair statements. But I think for a lot of NC State fans who are expecting at least to make the tournament or make some sort of postseason play this year, that it's highly disappointing. And I think everybody's going to get a very big lick of realism in the offseason, and you're going to see how difficult the task is going to be. And I think the call from NC State and their athletic department is to make sure that there is going to be a competitive roster coming up, and there is going to be a competitive team that is going to be able to at least bring some form of success to this university. Of course, we will talk about the basketball culture at some point in the next few weeks because I do think you have a very legitimate point with that and it is going to be a little bit more difficult to create success in the one-and-done era, especially if you're not going to be one of those blue-blood schools bringing in the one-and-dones. But stepping off the hardwood, at least for now, Let's move on to the diamond, and I want to talk about the softball team before we talk about the baseball team, because the softball team has a little bit more to pull from right now, even though statistically it has been thoroughly unimpressive. They're swept by the Louisville Cardinals this weekend, a team that is receiving votes in the polls, most likely going to be ranked when the next polls come around. Louisville was very impressive, and in ACC competition, Louisville in the preseason was tied for third in votes with NC State in the preseason poll, third in the ACC and they came out and absolutely drubbed the pack all weekend long. NC State's closest final score, I believe, was 12-9, to but focusing especially on that Sunday game, 15-run third inning for the Louisville Cardinals ends up leading them to a 19-3 to win. This is softball, folks, not football. 19-3 to win. Is that a wake-up call for Sean Reichick? Because now, all of a sudden, NC State has gone from three games above 500 to three games below 500. Oh, I think the wake-up call was last weekend when they struggled in the, in the Doubletree invite. And I think that's, it's at this point, I'm not sure what you do because clearly pitching seems to just be lost for the most part, because uh, you still have Meredith Burroughs out there pitching, and she's starting to get hit around. I think, you know, I think 
it's unfair to expect her to be very, very good. Um, I think the way she performed a, a couple weekends ago and against ECU uh, was because, for the most part, no one had really seen her. So I think that's what you see. Louisville gets some tape, sees what she has, and she gets hit around in, in a couple of the games. So I think just right now it's it's kind of try and find a way to make something of the season because NC State's continuing to slide they have tough competition you see it in Louisville and it's just I'm lost for words there's there's not much left you try to improve and get some of your younger players I think some experience here at this point and and hope that that will help build towards next year I think you're seeing a couple of things primarily I think you're seeing just how much Emily Wyman meant to the softball team and it's tough when you have to graduate arguably the greatest pitcher to have ever come through the program. And Sean Reichick sorely misses really the girl who was the catalyst of his team. You're also missing Renata Davis, who seemed to always be able to come up with a big hit when she's needed. And I agree, pitching is an issue on this team. Courtney Mirabella has not had the season that she would have liked. Brittany Nimmo has been in and out of the circle. And Harley Hubbard just has shown she's been a little bit erratic and not consistent in her pitching. Meredith Burroughs has come in, and it has been at least refreshing to see, but you're right, there's not a whole lot in her arsenal because she has not pitched at the collegiate level until a couple of weekends ago. I want to focus on the bats, though, because it just doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of run support coming up behind the pitching either, especially when you're pushing across somewhere between one and four runs a game and you know you've got a pitching staff that's giving up anywhere between five and six. I mean, the math just doesn't bear out there. What's it going to take for these hitters to get back on track? Well... I don't think the hitting is necessessarily the problem. I think you're right. Oh, there no, are it's not, the, pro- not I, the problem at all, but it I, is a symptom. If you take a look at this past weekend, yeah, one run in the first game isn't enough, but can you expect 10 runs? I, I think you can hope that that game at least goes seven and doesn't get cut short, but 10 runs, it's hard to make up for that. And then you look, of course, at the other games, you give up 12 runs. NC State puts up 9 in that game. They had a good offensive uh, outing in that second game, and it wasn't enough because they give up they give up 12 in the circle. And then the last game, 19 runs, as you said, 15 runs in one inning. I don't think I've ever seen 15 runs in, in baseball or softball ever in one inning. So to expect them to be able to keep up with that, is are they a little bit low on the production side? Maybe a little bit, but it's not like they're losing close games. I think even as an average or slightly above average uh, hitting team, if they were that, they still would be losing these games. So you want to improve the hitting, of course, uh, and get it to where it needs to be to be successful. But to me, the main focus right now has to be on finding a way to to limit the runs they're giving up because giving up double-digit runs, I mean, over 40 runs in three games over one weekend is just way, way too many. Well, the Wolfpack have also been plagued by fielding errors, and the defense has not been very tight at all. And when you look at them giving up big, big innings, seven runs in the second game in one of those innings, it was either the third or fourth, and then, of course, the 15-run third in that last game, those are inexcusable. And they did the same thing against East Carolina, giving up three and four back-to-back in the fifth and the sixth innings, and uh, excuse me, in the fourth and the fifth inning. When you look at giving up those big innings and when you look at fielding errors are preventing you from getting off the field, I think that's also a major difference maker, even though you may not have the best pitching. But when you're committing fielding errors, that's definitely an issue. Oh, yeah, and we, we talked about this last week for a pitcher. While mentally you may be able to say, oh, well, there's there's an error. These runs aren't my fault. Um, 
the runs are still crossing the plate, and there's there are still runners getting on base. And I think you're right; you have to have defense that's going to support the pitching, and that's part I think of what will help get this pitching out of the rut that it's in. But it's it's certainly concerning when you have seven errors over the weekend. That's uh, a cer- another thing that you want to look at, and it's a big problem. And some of that is as we've talked about. There's some shifting around in the infield and that's where you're seeing I think most of of the issues in the center of the infield you're seeing some problems and at third base Van Dyken has had a couple of of tough plays there but I think that certainly is something to look at because that will help out the pitching but still I think the pitching is where you have to have to focus. The pack will face off against South Carolina Upstate. The Spartans will make the trip to Raleigh for a midweek tilt on Wednesday. That's a very interesting game because the Spartans have made their ways back up into the polls. They're receiving votes, possibly could be ranked by the time Wednesday rolls around. How big is it for NC State to play another quality opponent and try to get a win in a midweek tilt here as they face off against the Spartans? Does that do anything for their confidence? Does that add any magnitude to this game? Well, if they can win it, I think it'll be big for them, but it's really for them. They have to understand where they are and just throw it all out there and forget about not being successful or failing because at this point they failed enough that it shouldn't be a problem. They need to just go out there. Their season at this point is, is pretty much decided unless they're able to make a big run, but you need to go out there and and not think about losing and just go out and give it everything that they have. If they can get that win, that would be huge, and that's when you start to build. But the thing that NC State has to do is not let themselves get set back by failure, and I think when you look at errors and the way that pitching has turned out, that's been a real problem. And now we will step off the baby diamond and head over to the big diamond, which... We don't have a whole lot to talk about, thanks to Mother Nature raining out a pair of games in Tallahassee, Florida, but NC State did get to play one against the Seminoles of Florida State. They drop at 8-5. to five. Chris, is it a blessing in disguise that NC State isn't going to take what could have been a couple more losses to Florida State? Is it a little bit tougher because Elliott Avent wasn't able to orchestrate adjustments that possibly could have led to two quality wins against Florida State? Or all in all, does it just sort of all work out in the big mosh pit of the season at the end of the year? Well, uh, it may have been a blessing in disguise for NC State. There's obviously, when you play a team as good as Florida State, you have the risk if you play those two games to lose those two games. So there's that. You don't have that risk. But when you look at the way the game trended for NC State uh, against the Seminoles, the first one, they gave up six runs in the first inning. After that, they outscored Florida State 5-2. to two. So things were trending upwards for the pack. And to me, that means they would have really liked to play played a couple of other games. So I don't think that it was good to for them to miss those games because it also throws them out of a rhythm a little bit because the you get into that that, that sort of routine where you you play a midweek game then you get ready you have three games on the weekend come back and and for them they get down there they play and then they sit and they don't get to play those other two games so that could be an issue will it be I don't think so but that's another thing to look at so I would have preferred to have seen them play I think certainly they would have at least won one of those games and that's a confidence boost for them because they've been floundering a little bit no I totally agree with you they're on a two-game losing streak if you want to call two games a streak and they've been stuck in the rut of trading wins with losses and you wanted to see against a quality opponent like Florida State who's number 10 in the nation you wanted to see how they were going to fare on the road especially because they're going to have some tough road competition especially as they had down the stretch in ACC play we talked about the pitching last week and we didn't get a huge sample of it against Florida State but again 
remind us of what you think needs to be done on the pitcher's mound. Uh, a lot of it, I think, is command and consistency with this team, and especially with the starters. We've had a couple of weeks where NC State's looked good, and when you look down the stat lines, you're having starting pitchers who are doing a pretty good job, and that's not the case all the time. And the other problem is that when the pitching isn't working out, the bats haven't been there to give them a lift. And I think that's the other thing that you have to look at for this team is you've got to be able to help out your pitching when your pitchers are struggling. And NC State, for the most part, has done a pretty good job at the plate. They've been better offensively, I think, in the past couple of years with the core that they have playing on the diamond now than they did the couple of years before that. But I think that's still something that needs to be a little bit more consistent and be able to support a pitching staff that struggles with starts sometimes. I agree. It's all about being able to go a little bit further than you're going and at least getting credit for the appearance and possibly the win should NC State be fortunate enough to secure a W in a ball game. But when you look at starters going three and four innings, it's very difficult and strenuous on a collegiate bullpen to build a bridge for five and six innings. So I do think part of the problem is going to be pitching. But Again, as you mentioned, and you took the words right out of my mouth, if your pitchers are struggling, you cannot have the game at the plate start to trend downward as well. You cannot afford to have all systems off and then on all systems on. And when you're looking at NC State baseball, right now that seems to be the trend and the way things are going. If you're Elliott Avon, how do you fix it to ensure that your team's playing at a little bit more consistent level? Well, mostly baseball is a mental game. Talk to Yogi Bear. He'll tell you 90% of the game's half mental. It, and it, it doesn't make sense, but it's true. You have to be in your head, and a lot of it, I think, is that. And NC State has to make sure they have the right approach. Someone that I've talked about is Chance Shepard, and I think he's one of the guys that's changed his approach. I watched him all summer, and I don't know if it was just because it was summer ball or if it was the way he, was, he had been playing with NC State, uh, but he was that swing for the fences guy. I'm either going to hit it out or I'm going to strike out, and He's a little bit different this year. He'll take pitches, he'll see what the pitcher has, and he'll find the right pitch to hit. And as a result, he's got a pretty darn good batting average. He's hitting some home runs as well, but he's he's being very productive. And I think that's where it starts. I think you have some guys who are still younger, not necessarily grade-wise, but in terms of their experience, and they need to develop that approach a little bit, I think. Well, and there is some supplementing to his hitting as well. Josh McLean's had a good season. Andrew Kisner's had a good season. And when you talk about those guys, they're starting to become a little bit more of a household name in ACC baseball, which is always exciting to see. NC State was ranked 13th in the nation going into the weekend. Again, they really didn't get a whole lot of opportunity to help or hurt that ranking after only playing one game. They will head back out to Doak Field as they will face off against Charlotte. Excuse me, I actually believe that is a road game at BB&T Field. I take that back. So they'll be on the road, but nonetheless taking to a ball field, hopefully, weather Te- permitting. Technically a neutral site, but certainly more Te- of a home game for the 49ers. Well, right. At BB&T Ballpark, home of the Charlotte Knights, but you are going to be playing against an in-state opponent. North Carolina consistently has been a baseball state because they've always had the propensity to produce good programs. Campbell, Wilmington, Charlotte, and even the ACC schools in the area have typically been good at playing hardball. What does this game mean for the Wolfpack out on the diamond? Well, as you mentioned, it's one of those non-conference matchups that you're going to have to find a way to win. Now, 
Charlotte, not quite as threatening. They're a uh, 500 team in Conference USA, 12 and 12 overall, and 3 and 3 in the conference. So it's certainly one that NC State should be able to win, but it's one that I guess you could consider really a tune up matchup. As I mentioned, they may be thrown off a little bit by only playing one game down in Tallahassee last weekend, and this is a chance to get themselves into a rhythm because. You mentioned a tough road schedule. Well, they have the defending national champions in the Virginia Cavaliers up in Charlottesville, Virginia, this upcoming weekend. And I think that's really what it's going to mean is getting themselves ready to play a tough opponent. But this is the other thing about playing Virginia. Statistically, they have not been the greatest of opponents to play this year. They have not fielded a good baseball team because they graduated so many. And when you think about them being the defending national champion— you wonder, yeah, it's absolutely legitimate. That was an excellent baseball team last year, but they got very fortunate that Vanderbilt was caught on an off night in Game 3 of that series, and Dansby Swanson, the shortstop for the Commodores, didn't exactly have the game that he would have hoped. Still, Virginia, the first ACC baseball champions since 1955. That's tremendous, but NC State should at least be looking to win that series against Virginia. And Sean Reichick talked to us about it, Chris. When you're playing in the ACC, it's about winning series. It's not about winning every game. It's not about earning the sweep. For the NC State baseball team, does that also apply? Is it about taking two out of three against your ACC opponents? And if you're doing that, you would hope you're climbing up the statistical ladder. Oh, absolutely. I mean, when you play 40, 50 games at least, you know you're going to lose. That's just the nature of sports in general is eventually somebody's going to beat you. And I agree, you want to try and win the series. That's the main thing and that's what NC State's going to look to do I certainly think you're right it's one that they should win and should expect to win because they're supposed to be one of the better teams in the country this year and so that's what they should have or the approach they should have going into every series here in the ACC is we're expected to win and we're going to go out there and do it well Chris we're getting into the final segment here of our show and it's been an excellent excellent howler in my opinion we've had some really really good debates but We always have a little bit of fun with our last segment. And today, I want to play a little game called Where Are They Going? I'm going to give you an NC State athletic team, and I want you to tell me if they're going nowhere, if they're going somewhere, or if they're going all the way. And all the way, yeah, obviously could mean national champion, or are they going to make it to, you know, maybe the Collegiate World Series, or something of the like. Maybe not necessarily championship level, but something that would be remarkable if NC State is able to head out that far. And we're going to start right here with this NC State baseball team because we have a large enough sample size now to really start to get a good projection. Where's the baseball team going? Well, I think you could say going nowhere is a good thing right now because they are considered one of the best teams. And I think, I wouldn't say necessarily nowhere, Um, I think it's going to be tough for them right now to win a national championship this year, but I think they have a chance at the College World Series, and that should be the expectation is to get there. So I think that's what this team has on their plate. I think you've seen a lot of guys get some good experience, especially with the run that NC State made last year, and I think they should feed off that and have a really good uh, year and finish it out well. I think NC State actually might be going somewhere this year. I, and you're going off the pretense that they're already there and they're not going anywhere and not disappearing away. But I think that there is a little bit of a room for improvement. And I think that they could very easily tune up a couple of things and be a whole lot more competitive than already what apparently a number 13 team in the nation has been being. I like this baseball team. I, they're not necessarily the all-star names per se, 
but they're producing, and there are very good baseball players out there. The hitting is coming together. The pitching has come together in spots, but I think, as you alluded to earlier, it's going to be more about consistency out there on the diamond, and when you put it under that pretense, it's about getting in there and making sure you're giving a good and valiant effort every day. You're not expecting to win every game in baseball. That's just not the nature of the sport, but if you're able to give a good effort and able to give yourself at least a chance to win ball games, I think you're doing something right. Yeah, and I think we've seen that for the most part this year. There have been a couple of times where the bats just didn't show up, and I think they also met some good pitching in a couple of uh, instances too. But I think this year they've had a pretty good approach. I think the experience of last year and the way it ended as badly as that was, I think has left them with something to want this year. All right, now we're going to move from the grass infield to the dirt infield. NC State softball, where are they going? Unfortunately, this year I think nowhere. Um it's. I, I think I said I called it last year a fighting season, and that's what it's going to be. Just trying to stay above water. Uh, if the pitching turns around, they they could go somewhere, but the the confidence isn't there defensively and in the circle. And so right now, I, I'm not sure that they're really going to go much of anywhere. Unfortunately, I'm going to have to agree with you there. I think nowhere is a very appropriate answer for this team. It just it hasn't come together for him this year, and it's been really unfortunate. <laughs> the good news for Sean Rychick is while he is losing a couple of critical pieces, he's going to keep Tyler Ross and he's going to keep Molly Hutchinson and he's going to keep Courtney Mirabella, and they're all going to have a chance to learn from the season and head into their respective senior years with market improvement, hopefully. And I think that does bear well for NC State. Uh, keep in mind, this was a team that went to the Super Regionals and lost to Oregon last year after winning the Harrisonburg Regional against a very tough JMU team. So Sean Reichick, at least in my estimation, is on the right track. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I would agree. I think this is... I'd... Uh, certainly not what we expected to see this year, and you know you have some injury issues that throw things off, and uh, we saw that with the the basketball team. It just kind of throws your your mojo off, and that's what happened this year. And I think you're right; it'll be a great learning experience for for some of these girls who are going into their final year next year. And I would expect another good year, especially for Mirabella, who really in her first two seasons, though she didn't have this kind of workload, was really good for the pack. I think after this year, she'll have the experience she needs to do that on a day-to-day basis. All right, now here's the really tough one. NC State basketball next season, where are they going? I think they're going somewhere next year. I try after four years of sitting and watching NC State athletics in general. Uh, I, this is the one that I see as, as one of the most promising because of the way Godfrey has been able to get every team. Aside from this year, and even this year, I think you could argue that they were playing their best basketball at the end of the year. They played some good games in the ACC tournament and a couple of good ones near the end of the year as well. And I think you look at the talent they have coming in, it could be a little bit of a rocky start with some young players and some inexperienced players. But I think this is a team that could make a similar run to what we saw with last year's team that went to the Sweet 16, maybe a little bit bit farther, but that's something we'll have to wait and see. I would say they're going somewhere. I'd love to agree with you. I really, really would. And I think that there is enough raw talent on this team to be able to go somewhere. However, in five years of watching Mark Godfrey and in 21 plus years of being an NC State fan, I know that pessimism seems to rule the that, roost. That's a small plus. What is? The 21, that's a small plus. That, that's a, it is a very small plus, but it's a plus nonetheless, Chris. I, I just want to make sure that's that's known. Yeah, well, still, it, it's a fairly good amount of experience. I, I hope you uh, agree. Yes, yes, I would agree. I would agree. I don't think this team's going much of anywhere. I think they're going to have a higher seating in the ACC tournament. I think they're going to be 
mediocre, 7-8 to eight seed. And I think that they could possibly play their way off the bubble in the ACC tournament and get to the NCAA tournament. I'd see, I'd, see, to me, that's not the track record, though. You look at these teams, aside now, aside from the team my four years ago, my freshman year with C.J. Leslie and, and Richard Howell, that team floundered at the end of the year. But everyone else has, has brought it together and had their best basketball at the end of the year. So to say that this is a team that could play themselves out of anything at the end of the year, I think looking at the track record, that's not something you'd be able to say. Well, no, they can play their way in. No, what I was saying is they can play their way in. They can play their way off the bubble and into okay, the tournament. Okay, not, okay, not, not okay, off the bubble, okay. out of the tournament. I yeah, retract yeah, yeah, yeah. that then. I no, agree. No. Okay. And they could do that. But I don't see this team being a Sweet 16 team. I see them possibly, with such inexperience as you alluded to, possibly being a 5 or 6 seed that gets upset. And that's hard for me to say because I think that might even be a bigger blow than not making the tournament at all is having a lot of hope and prospectus and losing. But nonetheless, that's what I think is the fate for NC State basketball next year. I dearly hope I'm wrong. And I do believe that this team has the potential to prove me wrong. But I just haven't seen it on the track record as of yet. Not with this coach, not with this staff. And... It does make you wonder if next year trends the way this year has, what's going to be the next step for NC State basketball? Uh, that's yet to be seen. I still think I'm going to stand by what I said, that this is a team that can be very good and that can continue to get better. Uh, there might be some adjustments that Coach Godfrey has to make in order to get to the next level. But right now, I don't see any cause for concern. A, a bad season is a bad season. We've seen North Carolina have a bad season. We've seen Duke have a bad season. Even the best of them have a bad season. I think that's just something you step past. This is a team with a lot of talent. Now you're getting a good amount of experience as well. I think there's more promise on this team than anything else, and I know the track record yeah, there, of NC There's State. promise. There's potential, well, but potential is exactly that, potential. I mean, that, that's what it comes down to for me. If it's going to be sitting potential, there's not a whole well, lot there. You, you could, could make it. the argument that potential to succeed is just the same as potential to fail. Uh, you could make that argument, but we're, we're, we've only got a few more minutes uh, in, in, this, uh, in this episode here, so... We're going to step off of basketball, and I'm sure as we continue to head down the stretch here, it, it looks like we're going to have some pretty heated debates, and I'm looking forward to every moment of that. I'm, I'm certain the in-studio audience here is going to look forward to that as well because there are some very passionate fans who are consistent listeners. Stepping out of the realm of Raleigh, though, at least down to PNC Arena, the Carolina Hurricanes find themselves four points out of a playoff spot with somewhere between I think I know seven, your question. I'm going to tell seven. you right now they're not going to the playoffs. Oh, really? They're not? No, I totally agree. They're, they're going nowhere. And uh, unfortunately for me, nowhere they beat the New the Jersey Devils, word. who with a win would have been three points out of a playoff spot. But I agree with you. I don't think it's the Hurricanes year either. I don't think not they're going to the playoffs. Not this year, but I think this is a team that's getting very, very good. There's a very good defensive core there. Oh, they're yeah, very strong defensively. Core. Watching them the other night at that Devils game, this is a team that has the ability to play really well, and I think they're going to be a very good team in the next couple of Where's years. the scoring forward? Where is that one guy, or where's where's the line that's going to be able to score the puck? That's my concern with the Hurricanes. Uh, that's something that they're waiting on, I think. And I think you look at teams that are successful in any sport, especially if you want to take a look at college basketball right now. Bryce Johnson and Marcus Page are star players for a successful North Carolina team. You, you take a, a look at Syracuse, probably the team with the, the fewest stars. Cooney is the only one, really, that comes to mind for me. You have Buddy Heal at Oklahoma. You have Archie Diakono with Villanova. So there's... 
star players on those teams, and that's what carries teams. You need that, and that's what NC or what North Carolina, the Hurricanes, are missing right now. And I think that's something that will come. Ron Francis has done a great job developing this team so far, and it could come from somebody that's in the organization already. I mean, J- Jordan Stahl has been playing very Jordan well, Stahl's got and good Elias potential. Lindholm has potential along with Jeff Skinner. And what about Andre Nostrachel when he comes back as well? He's he's always been playing well, and I agree with you. You're one move away from making this team a fairly competitive team in the Eastern Conference. I totally agree with that. Now, final question, and this is going to be, you know, our most likely our last episode in the collegiate basketball season, and I want to ask about the rival in Chapel Hill. Where is North Carolina basketball going to end this season, making the Final Four, and they're going to be playing Syracuse, and if they win that ball game, either Villanova or Oklahoma with a chance to vie for their sixth national title. Where are they going? Um, that's tough. I mean, we talked about this with Ben, and Ben said North Carolina was going all the way. I agree with him. If you look at it on paper, this is North Carolina's tournament at this point to lose. But, like I said, anything can happen, and this tournament has told us anything can happen. So that's what we're going to have to wait on and and see because you look at Syracuse who really a lot of people said and I'm not going to say that they should be or shouldn't be shouldn't have been in the tournament now they're in the final four so there's there are all kinds of things that could happen but if I'm going to have to pick a team that I think is going to win Oklahoma is a good one but I don't think that anyone has a better chance than North Carolina I, I totally agree with you. North Carolina is going all the way, and I fa- in fact, I think the NCAA trophy is sitting in Houston right now with N O R T H C A R O L already engraved on it. I mean, North Carolina is that close away from winning their sixth national championship, and you're going to have to go through at least one more conference team. Then you're going to have to play either a mid major or a Big Twelve opponent in Oklahoma, which North Carolina Oklahoma would be a very interesting national title match uh, with Buddy Heald in the. Storyline there, but I do think this is North Carolina's tournament, and it's highly unfortunate for NC State fans. Is now back to back, they're going to watch two rivals take home national titles, and once again, the red and white has been left out. And this time, it stings a little more because they didn't even have a chance to win the tournament by virtue of the fact they did not make the field. Chris, this has been a really fun episode. This has been this has been an absolute blast, and I'm really looking forward to the next one too. Yeah, it's going to be another exciting one. <laughs> Would one say it might be a little bit of a barn burner? Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> well, uh, we do want to thank Ben Simmons of NC State Club Basketball for being our guest on the show. You've just been given the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Signing off for Chris Lehman, I'm Drew Blevins. We hope you enjoy the show, and we'll see you next week on The Howler. Thanks for listening to The Howler, a service of Wolfpack Sports Television. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu sports. The Howler is brought to you by White Street Brewing Company, handcrafted beer made in the heart of downtown Wake Forest. Visit us just up US 1 at 218 South White Street or at whitestreetbrewing.com.